You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Hey, this is Ariel Hawani, host of the MMA Hour on the Vox Media Podcast Network. Each week, we interview the biggest names in the world of mixed martial arts and beyond. So tune in live every Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern over at MMAfighting.com or download the show afterwards on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and wherever you get your podcast. We'll see you then. talk about Marco Fultz again or would uh, you rather not no I do want to talk about how the league is like going out of its way not to showcase Ben Simmons in the all-star game which is just but like not showcase to not showcase uh, I mean you know that they just the, I know the le- who the, the le- fuck is voting for Goran Dragic on the terms of <coughs> coaches I'm saying I'm saying so coaches both like the fact that oh, Goran shit. Dragic here he goes winding it up well we so just so we're on the same page coaches like the idea that Goran Dragic is on a winning team who by the way is behind the Sixers, but they like the idea that Kemba Walker's having a really good individual statistical season, which, by the way, his stats aren't as good as Ben Simmons, but he's on a shitty team. I just want to know what the logic is where Ben Simmons doesn't fit into any of these. Also, Ben Simmons is playing like one of the 10 best defenders in the NBA. He's going to be a top... He's going to be an all-NBA team. Gonna be. Gonna. Gonna. Not this year, though. No, this year. He's not going to be an all-defensive team player. He should be. He won't because he's I'd a rookie, to, but he should be. I'd have to look through who we're talking he's about. He's the best defensive player on the court, other than Embiid, every fucking night. It's yeah, other silly than how his teammates. Well, I'm, <laughs> that's fine. I'm just saying, like, it isn't the squad. Like Draymond and Clay don't either. take away from each other; they help each other. I mean, you know, he's good. I don't know if he's like one of the ten best in the league. I'd have to go through it. I mean. I'd have to think about it. The thing is, though, is that the coaches, they, coaches. It's an aggr- what they do is they pick the replacements based on like the aggregation of coach votes. So in order to not to be quote-unquote neutral, they just take who the next in the coach's line was. I get it. It's and, just like, how far down was this, this transcendent dude averaging 17, 8, and 8 I mean, for I, a good team? I, 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 I don't <laughs> – look, I think what happened was you – the coaches – don't have, there's not like one list where like every coach is like, yeah, I'm taking Ben Simmons below Kemba Walker and Gordon Dragic. It's yeah. just there are probably enough people who had Kemba over as the top of those, enough people who had Dragic. And yeah, I mean, I'll say this like, Gordon Dragic is not an all star. No! Like, no way is he an all star. No. He just kind of got benefited from the Heat having a good winning streak and, at the right time. At the right time. And they're like, oh, we got to have a Heat player. Exactly. It's so, did you see that? Uh, that- Guy from like the Australian Parliament. Yes, <laughs> I just want to say that Ben Simmons should one hundred percent be an All Star, <laughs> and that there's an anti-Australian sentiment coming out of the United States to stop this man and oh, backball him from being an All Star. Government employees have way too much time on their hands. Like, is that don't a pretty have... good Australian? No, <laughs> Miles, is that a good Australian accent? I got a thumbs up. You yes. got a thumbs up. I don't think he was listening. He was looking at his phone. <laughs> All right, I'm going to kick it off, though, in a far more official capacity because you've probably been hearing two voices, if you've been listening to this, for the beginning of this rant. That One of them is Mike Prada. I'm Hello. Ben Epstein, but that's Mike Prada. We're back together doing the Limited Upside podcast. It's been a little while. Mike, how are you, man? Uh, I'm good. I'm not as sleep-deprived as I thought I would be. Been a magical a couple weeks, though? It has been a great couple weeks, nice. and I really thought, I mean, 
fingers crossed, I thought it'd be worse <laughs> in terms of sleep. You know, but she's been great. She's sleeping. That's uh, awesome. Little Vivi. Little Vivi. And she yeah. a Wizards fan? She in, she all in? She already has a Wizards onesie, although it's <laughs> a nine month one, so I don't know if it's gonna get used during the playoffs. <laughs> I'm not sure. She also has a Mets onesie for uh, my wife's favorite team. Good color schemes. You guys are staying the same, blue and uh, blue and red. Blue and red. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So everything is good. I I thought I'd be more tired, and I thought I'd be more disconnected from the NBA. And so you've been able to stay afloat. Watch oh, a lot yeah. of lots of oh, yeah. yeah. Probably oh, yeah. more West Coast games. I'm assuming. No, I, I no? hey, it's like a TV show to me now. I watch <laughs> them when I can. Yeah, it's true. That's true. It's like I, it's like the NBA is Netflix. All right. Well, so with that in mind, because the NBA is just, I think I texted you a couple days ago. Like since you've been out, you've been working, but you've been working from home. Since you've been out of the office, the NBA has been moving at what ten thousand miles per mm-hmm. hour, light speed. It's just the the narrative changes every day. But last week was just insane, and no team changed more and potentially changed its narrative more for the rest of the season than the Cavs. We tried to get a, a couple of our Cavs friends on here. It was a very last minute. Candidly, Mike and I did not plan enough for this pod because we hadn't bit. seen each other. We also hadn't have a little bit more on my plate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just a little bit expected. more. All right, so with that in mind, Mike, what were your first uh, – give me your take when you heard the – let's look at them together, all of the trades that happened. And, in fact, if you want to start back and look at grading the Cavs – Based upon the first trade they made this offseason with Kyrie to where we are now, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Well, better, see, worse? Tell me everything, Mike. Well, that's, see, that's the thing about evaluating trades, right, is that it's never – none of these are ever done in a vacuum. Mm-hmm. And so – but at the same time, it's like sort of – if you're trying to evaluate what they did right now, it's sort of unfair to talk about what they already did because they can't change it. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's also – it's the exact point that has to be made that as good as they made as much value as they may have gotten at, on Thursday from you know making lemons out of lemonade, they still at the end of the day have walked away from this for tra- uh, with trading a superstar player with two years left on his contract for a couple interesting twenty five year olds in George Hill. <laughs> George Hill's not 25. Um, right. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. So, sorry, <laughs> I mean, that's kind of – that's where we're at. And, by the way, also having lost your GM and piss, have your star player pissed off the owner, like how, how much of that all matters? I mean, sure. like, it's hard to say, but, I mean, at I mean, the, the end of the day, this, it's, where it are. it's where we are. So it's LeBron's team. But if I were to say LeBron's the Batman, is Kobe Altman the Robin now? And the rest of the players are well, just what they are? I don't. It depends on how much power you felt Colby Altman actually had because there are all those reports about Dan Gilbert was really running the show. But I, I guarantee you that Dan Gilbert is not, you know, holding, juggling three trades at once uh, <laughs> and right. then executing them within 30 minutes right, like Kobe right. Altman did. So it's always hard to tell, like, who's really in charge there. If, if I had to guess, and this is based upon listening to Windhorst talk on Zach Lowe's podcast, he said that you know there were multiple balls in the air, and these are just the ones that happened to land for, for the Cavs. I would guess that Gilbert was the one who was like, we got to get DeAndre Jordan, and that that was the ball that did not necessarily come to fruition. I will say, though, and I, I, look, I'm someone, these two guys, uh, Hood and Clarkson, are two of the most polarizing players in the NBA. People, some Hood people, for sure. Hood for sure. Hood for sure, Clarkson most people just think is garbage, but... I've watched him have some really good games and think to myself, you know, a lot of times people are just looking for LeBron to give him their identity on a winning team. J.R. Smith needed it badly. Shumpert needed it for a period of time. Not saying it sticks when you don't have LeBron with you, but there's a a rub-off there. I want to use the first game they all played together, which, you know, had Hood and Clarkson coming off the bench and 11 guys getting on the court, et cetera. But when you watch them smoke Boston in a game that 
I don't know, it was set up for Boston to be like the we're the number one, even mm-hmm. though they're currently Paul the number Pierce's two seed. Jersey retirement. Doc Rivers is there. KG in attendance. Did you see that Doc Rivers said uh, something along the lines of, I'm going to be a normal fan. Yep. I'm going to drink a beer, yell at the refs, and yell at LeBron? Yeah. And my thought was, well, you do two of those things already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, 100%. <laughs> um, and coach the Clippers. Um, right. <laughs> so. Like, what did you think? You're watching the game play out. You get to see there's all the speculation. How's LeBron's new team going to play? Did you anticipate them coming out and like a put up or shut up type thing to prove LeBron was right I didn't, in that moment? I didn't think they'd win by that much. Yeah. I thought they. What what struck me, there are two, a couple things that struck me. One is how happy LeBron was and how much movement was going on around the court. Good like, it, it makes you wonder, I think a, a worthy question for us to ask as we think about the Cavs in the future is, was it more beneficial to get those guys or was it more beneficial to trade away the guys they traded away? <laughs> I think the answer is more the second one. But, really? You know, they're moving better. I was I was a little surprised and pleasantly so at how well the Cavs starting lineup fit together. I know their bench had moments. Uh, Clarkson sure. had a huge game when he came in. Uh, and he made a bunch of shots, and Rodney Hood was hitting shots, and Boston looked kind of dead. I think they're sort of weary and ready for the All-Star break. They've kind of been scuffling for a little while. But the starting lineup, I was really impressed with how well it fit together. They're running spread pick and roll with LeBron and Tristan Thompson, and they've got two really ace shooters with the way JR was shooting, and George Hill, who looks like a really good fit. And Chetty Osmond fit in really well, and it kind of was doing all the things that Jay Crowder was supposed to do for them. Uh, I like Chetty Osmond. I think it, essentially, I think they, they got a fifth new player um, with elevating him in the starting lineup. I think he's a really interesting fit for them. He's taller than I thought. I watched him move around. I'm like well, he's he's what like six nine. Yeah, yeah. And also, the other thing that was striking too about That's them is like yeah. there is such a difference, and I, it's always hard to tell whether this is cause and effect, chicken and egg versus making shots, but. They just looked like they were had more thrust. They were trying harder. They were moving together. They were making the cuts and the defensive rotations and the multiple efforts that they weren't making before. And you know, is that because they? Yeah, that's 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 the one thing that I I don't like. And you, I think I've said this before. I don't like when effort is is something that people use in a subjective way. Like, how do you use effort in an objective way? Though? Well, I'm, it should always be on. Uh, I see what yes, you're saying. Effort should be something that is synonymous with playing a professional sport. Turning that effort off to make a point, which is something that like I, I almost unanimously love everything LeBron has done in his entire career. In fact, I don't even care about the decision. In fact, I thought it was fine. You hate me for that. I don't I honestly don't care. That's I fine. didn't like when he came at Frank Nilakina for no fucking reason. That pissed me off. It was like, why don't do that? Are you that? talking about when he when he praised Dennis yep. Smith? For no for no reason. He didn't, pra- the- he didn't he knocked someone down for no reason to praise someone else. Didn't need to do that. Meanwhile, the Knicks traded for another point guard. That's twenty one at you the You can call Moutier whatever you want. He's not a point guard. Uh, I mean, he's <laughs> he's as much a point guard as Neil Akina. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. Oh God. They got a triple double put on them last night by TJ McConnell. So mm-hmm. that's really all you gotta yeah. know there. Uh, and he had six steals. Three of which were just on Moutier. <laughs> I, well, no, I, weren't they on Neil Akina? Yeah. Oh, t- uh, actually, yes, they were on Neil Akina. I think Moutier yes. was actually handling the ball. Anyway, as yeah, an aside, so sorry. But the, the point is, uh, um, the, the last couple weeks when the team was disagreeing, when it became clear that Crowder didn't know what his identity was, that Isaiah Thomas was getting back to whatever he eventually might be again. We don't, you know, whatever that ceiling is for him. Um, being his agent with his hip uh, and, and recent injury that was the hip, um, 
I, I thought LeBron turned it off a little bit. I thought he showed that he tried to exacerbate the issue in order to show how much improvement was needed from a new roster, understanding that there was no chance he was leaving at that point. So what was it going to be? And he, he used effort to get what he wanted, and he took some effort off the table. I thought it was clear. I think The it way was he played clear. against Boston, though, that looked like the same way that the Cavs looked against Boston in the playoffs last year. Just wide open spaces, guys running around, threes being hit by open shooters, and mm-hmm. LeBron playing at a peak where there's just not, nothing to challenge him on the court. And that, that's what it looked like. His assist level's going up, too. By the way, we're part of that. He wanted to show that he was... In the last couple we weeks. We like the podcast. What's up? Like our podcast is part of that? What do you mean? Oh, no, no. I didn't mean to say. He, he wanted to show. i sorry. Not we. He wanted, he to, wanted sh- to show. Yes, no, he, I was like, wait a minute. What yeah. did we do to convince no, no, LeBron? No, 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 to, no. To- LeBron wanted to show that, yeah, I'm still passing. I'm still getting all these assists. It's not It's not me. And that that is something that was, I think, a, a, a tangible, real decision that he made. And it showed. But with all these players coming in, I think it's it speaks when you bring in younger guys who have never seen success, like Ball, the Lakers players, and Hood. For well, I've seen success. I think uh, George Hill is a better analog where he's seen success, but he's also while. seen what not success is, and that well, is sure. where he was coming from. That's Sacramento. true, absolutely. And Clark, <laughs> I mean Clark and Nance have never played a meaningful basketball game in their careers, so at least three mm-hmm. of the four guys who are going to get significant minutes now hadn't had any of that. I mean, Hood played in the playoffs what two. Last year? Last year, yeah. Last year, right. But even then, his role, Hood's role has been in a, a constant flux uh, in Utah for basically the whole time he's been there. And, and right. specifically this year when, when um, Mitchell more or less came on his corner and kicked him off. So with that in mind, he got the right hungry – like it's the perfect combo. If you get the right hungry guys who have the right age where they're going to put maximum effort out there and still defer to you entirely, I think LeBron got the supporting type cast that he's looking for. I thought they were going to win the East – if they had stayed with their old crappy team, I really? think you disagree on this. Look at the way they were playing. They were they were awful. They were horrible. There's no doubt. Like, just, there's a difference between what they were, their malaise in previous seasons for stretches and what was they were going through. I mean, they were they were the worst defense by far in the league. And it wasn't getting any better. And they hated each other. And they yeah. were like already fighting in the locker room and all this stuff. One thing I think is worth thinking about, and this what goes back to my question here, is like, was it really the new additions that may help LeBron and the Cavs the most, or is it the fact that they traded the old folks away? Right. I still think it's probably more the form, the latter. Like I'm not. Are there are elements of how all four of those new guys play that like are interesting to me. George Hill, I think, very clearly is the kind of spot up shooter, but ball handler that LeBron's kind of always needed. You know, mm-hmm. a super, like a Mario Chalmers type, a more veteran. Uh, player and hopefully it seems rejuvenated after he kind of looked done in Sacramento. Sure. So I, clearly that he's going to help. You know they've got a lot of shooting. I think Larry Nance's uh, activity is sort of like kind of like what Tristan Thompson used to be before he had all some of the injuries he had. That's going to really help them. And Hood is kind of one of those. Get, he's either awesome or not, and so you need some of those guys. Clarkson too that they could win you a playoff game. So clearly they got some talent and. You know they'll also, I'm sure, continue to sell it as they got players that can help them if LeBron leaves. Which right. I don't know. I'm a little less convinced about that. Like if if LeBron's gone, you probably want to tear that thing down, and you don't really yeah. care about Rodney Hood and uh, Jordan was, Clarkson. Uh, again, uh, I hate to keep mentioning all of our competitive podcasts, but they're all friends. We're all in this world together. I was listening to the Rights to Ricky uh, Sanchez podcast, the uh, Sixers podcast, but our friend of the pod. Levin um, was basically saying, like, this is a singular decision. The, the, the Cavs can only do everything they can to want LeBron to stay. After that, it's 
got to completely change it, and we're not going to well, be right. good again for 10 years. So anything they could do now to even give themselves a 1% chance of keeping well, it is important. Like, I it's think a that's singular to, to a point. I mean, I think they were right not to trade the Brooklyn pick for Agreed. what was out Agreed. there. But like, well, it's because what was out there wasn't good enough. I, I would have traded yeah. for Paul George, but he wasn't out sure, there. Sure, exactly. Right. You know, exactly. that's the thing. So I don't want DeAndre Jordan for that pick. Right, exactly. Yep. So yep. I, I just I just think that I think that's sort of a sales job. And I also think if you try to do two things in one trade, you end up doing none. That's usually but, true. So, um, so let me let me ask. But you then this. going back to mm-hmm. the sorry to go back yeah. to the point of like those new players are helpful, but I think the real joy here is that you don't have Isaiah Thomas trying to get in his way back and talking. You know the shit he was talking in the locker room, and you know, his social media usage we've, is so annoying. Well, I don't think it's just his social media usage. Ugh. I think it's like all of it. it's just that's who he is. That's what you're getting. And when you're not, when you have a hip injury and you're a five nine dude who <laughs> needs that, it's really important. You know, Jake Crowder was clearly not in sorts all year. I'm kind of curious as to why. He's already looked good on Utah. Well, I think it, he's going to look great in Utah. I think yeah. Utah. I think that's a good trade for them because they're not keeping Hood and Crowder. Probably it's a great contract. I like that trade for them a lot, but it wasn't working in Cleveland. You didn't have time. All the old dudes, obviously, it wasn't working. So, really, what you've now given LeBron more than anything is just sort of a fresh start and people who can kind of. And again, like I said, I consider Osman sort of a fifth new addition because I think it, if they're smart, they're playing a lot. You know, it fits in really well with what they're doing. So they they basically have the fresh start. I think the fresh start thing is more beneficial to them than the actual yeah. players they got. Yeah, yeah. I, look, I it, that's part of the the thought process that goes into these trades. I I agree. I think it's it's uh, twofold. It is addition by addition and addition by subtraction. I think it's more. And you would say it's more by the subtraction, which is fine. Because if you look at these players, I don't think I know they all played really well against Boston. And we're recording this on a Tuesday, so I don't know what they're going to do against Mm -hmm. Oklahoma City tonight. Uh, They played well. I, I think. Their be- their biggest value is I think the way they move and play hard, especially Nance and Hill. Obviously, there's a performs a specific utility. Mm-hmm. Clarkson and Hood. I I think they're so hot hit or miss that I I don't know if you know they're going to provide as, as much as people think they will. Um, I, I don't think like the the new players they got are all that amazing. Yeah, I think I it's either. nice to get a bucket of them, and yeah. there's a ch- decent chance they perform a, quite a lot better. Without LeBron, and yeah. they got good value in terms of if you just look at what they gave up versus what they took in. I just don't know if, you know, I think they're probably better. They're definitely in much better position to win the East, but I don't think it's going to be easy. What's and the percent chance you're going to put on them winning winning the East? I would say that before the trades, if they did absolutely nothing, it would have mm-hmm. been like 25, 30 percent. But wow. now that they've done something, I think they're now back up to about 65, 70. I think we should. You, you, all, you and I both know that we're sort of the the Raptors skeptics here, but I think yeah. they've done a lot of really interesting stuff that makes them a threat. I think if Boston can get their stuff back together, I, as an aside, I think Boston made a mistake not getting one more scorer because I think that that's what. And maybe they're getting Hayward back, and you know, at and some point, and they don't, that, yeah. and that's yeah. what they need. But you know, that's a that's a. I think they might have thought they got an additional big man scorer when they signed Monroe, Monroe. who singularly scores. He does nothing else in basketball right. court. I would have gotten another guard, but I mean, yeah. they must love Rozier, and I think they've got payroll issues. That's the other thing. Coming they, up. they got decisions to make, exactly. Um, and I don't think they want to stunt 
I think that the long picture, the long view is still something Ainge has, which has got to get Tatum and Brown reps, and it's not going to happen with them not shooting and not being but, on the court. But before the season, he they, they were already going to cramp they, his reps with Gordon Hayward. I know, I don't but understand. It, it got fast-tracked. Like, things I don't changed. Under, I don't understand why they couldn't have like tossed the, one of their, their own first-round pick. As in it's, oh, so you yeah. were asking me before mm-hmm. the pod why you, you were surprised by how much value the Cavs got. At the yeah. deadline for very I th- little. I think the term I used was that I, I think that the league acquiesced. The, the Cavs, one of the two teams who was likely going to be in the finals before the season started, was not playing up to their potential. And they were able to, you know, I, the analogy I use is like in video games when you're about to die and you get a health pack. <laughs> oh, you're good to go again. You can play yeah. the rest of the level, the rest yeah. of the, you know, and that's kind of where the Cavs were at. They were dying. They were, they were on, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the dust bed there or whatever and, and a doorstep. And they were... They were close. I mean, giving up the buck forty, the buck thirty, the blowing a twenty-one point lead I mean, to Orlando. Playing dreadfully, uh, buck horrible. forty-eight to Oklahoma City at home. I actually thought the Orlando loss was even worse. Oh to, yeah, you know, to flip going up twenty-two against a horrible team who's also you know, who's tanking, and mm-hmm. then losing that by double digits. That was horrible. Um, so I thought the league providing a, a, an outlet here, and look, it wasn't. It wasn't definitely not like a, a conference call with all 29 other GMs being like, how are we going to help the Cavs? It was, it was definitely <laughs> not that. But I do think that they were able to plus up a roster that was potentially going to die and potentially then blow up and never be the same. I mean, this could have been the end of a Cavs you know, reign of the Eastern Conference. I mean, Instead, it's it might still, be one more year. It still could be, but yeah. I— so you're surprised that they got that much talent. Yeah, were you surprised they got with considering what they gave up, which was an as you said, a, a probably still injured five foot nine guy. Um Jay Crowder, Jay wasn't, Crowder fitting in. wasn't fitting in and Dwayne Wade they you know get rid of more or less for nothing. Derek Rose who wasn't doing anything, right. Shumpert and Shumpert who had long term money, Fry who was whatever, and yeah. like their own first round pick, which is probably gonna be twenty five. Yeah, yeah. Right, or lower. I mean you're and for that they got three interesting young players in George Hill. Yeah. I think there are two reasons. There are a couple reasons that happened. Mm-hmm. One is they were the only team that was willing to take on long-term money because they got to win now. It's all about LeBron. For all these other teams, the ripple effect of 2016 is being felt. You know, they have yeah, that's right. bloated payrolls and the cap's not rising, and the mistake of not smoothing the cap and all these teams that went big in the summer of 2016 and now are trying to duck future money. They kind of had a wake-up call, and so all these levers that could have pushed a trade with long-term money, like that that was a non-starter for them. And then related to that, but also a slightly different thing, is there was only one first-round pick that got traded on deadline day. There was one that got traded for Blake Griffin, right? So, and then one that got traded for Eric Bledsoe. So you're talking three first-round picks traded during trade season. That's it future or current, that's sure. a very low number. And you also heard a lot of these teams that pulled guys off the market because they were not getting the first-round picks, Lou Williams, Tyreek Evans, all that. The combination of val- the value of those that were placed on those two things means that the Cavs' willingness to trade their own first-round pick— is an outlier. You have to set them apart. Yeah, and take on long-term money. I mean, they're, they're the only teams that are willing to do that, so— uh, when you do one thing in a market and everyone else is doing the other thing, you're going to get the benefit that you want. No, that's like, definitely true. <clears throat> I think part of it, the, there's a divide, and we we mentioned the polarizing nature of, of these the players, some of the players that the uh, the Cavs brought in. But I, I think so much of the way that I view any player who has not played with LeBron in their career, and then what I anticipate the best version of them being, is why how I look at these trades. 
I, I just imagine what you would expect or want from a guy at an optimal level is what you're going to get once he plays with LeBron. So that's an interesting point. So you're basically saying that George Hill, Jordan Clarkson, Larry Nance, and Rodney Hood will be better for playing with LeBron. Yes. Than, so why didn't that logic apply to the two Celtics that they got? Yeah, I mean, look, I, in theory, Crowder should have made sense. Right. I don't, that's sort of where I'm getting. Have a good answer. That's kind of what I'm getting line. at. I don't think it's a given anymore that LeBron gives you that. But I maybe, think he sometimes maybe, does. But maybe it's because less Crowder. Again, I'm going to put in, we'll table him for a second. But you know, Isaiah, Isaiah had a team. Built around him last yeah. year, they had a system right. predicated With Isaiah, on his skill set. I, I, I don't think it's a surprise that Isaiah yeah. was not the same player in Boston. But I mean, the struggles of Jay Crowder do make you wonder a little bit. No, I mean, I, I know there's a lot going on there, but if the logic is that LeBron can take these guys and make them better, like I don't know if that's necessarily a given anymore. Yeah, because yeah, well, I think, it, especially because let's say what essentially happened to Crowder, besides all the off-court stuff, is he had a really bad shooting year. Mm-hmm. And that affected him everywhere else, you know. So if you're not making shots around LeBron, I mean, LeBron doesn't have patience for when he sets you up for these on a silver platter for these threes in his mind, and you miss them. Yeah, that could totally happen to Rodney Hood, who is not exactly the the most confident level player in the world. But he all of a sudden, maybe he, becomes, a, maybe he becomes JR, left-handed JR. He could them. be. Yeah, I just don't think it's a given that he will be. And yeah. so that the logic of does LeBron make these guys better? I mean, I think it's possible. I mean, how, how in your mind, how do like Hood and Clarkson compare to Smart and Rozier? Well, they're different players. Totally. I mean, I, I think I'm just saying, like these are the, the these are the benches, these are your guards, these right. are your supplementary players. Right, right. Like, I mean, it worked in in one game. I think I don't think Clarkson's going to shoot that well very often. No. Um, I think there are reasons that Rodney Hood should fit in well. I mean, the the what. I like if they keep the lineups the way they did. I think that actually will help them all because I think Osman works better with the starters. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be really interesting what happened when happens when Kevin Love comes back. Uh, it's also gonna be interesting to see how they split up ball handling duties and how much LeBron plays with the bench and mm-hmm. all of that. Uh, I think offensively they should be back to. I know they were still good. They should be back to top two, three in the league right now with the shooting they have. Yeah. And I think defensively they'll try harder and therefore get back up yeah. to 20th. What I worry about <laughs> is there's still not – I mean the one the whole the whole point of getting Jay Crowder was that you had a big physical wing to guard the big physical wings. And you've now acquired a really good point guard defender but and a pretty mobile big man. But the two wings you acquired are just awful defensively. Yeah, yeah. And so you're asking a lot of, of Osman and J.R. Smith to be able to do that in LeBron. Yeah, LeBron specifically. LeBron's going to play more four now. I mean, the other point of Crowder was he was supposed to be a four. You're also going to ask Tristan Thompson to be a reasonable facsimile of Tristan Thompson from three years ago, mm-hmm. which yeah. is a huge upgrade from the guy who yeah. has been playing in Tristan Thompson's skin this year. And the other thing, too, <laughs> is that it, it wasn't happening with Isaiah, but now you have one way to get, unless Rodney Hood or Clarkson is having a good shooting game, you have one way to generate offense now. Mm-hmm. I guess we'll see what happens when Kevin Love comes back and how he fits in because he was playing so well before Thomas played. Yep, you know, I think he's probably other... happy. I think I think if uh, we don't have to look too far into the interactions that the team had <laughs> to say that Kevin Love's probably slightly yeah. happier now than he was this time last week. Um, I want to get off the Cavs for a little bit, okay? Because a lot happened, and I, hell, Mike, so many different times while you were gone, I wanted to do emergency podcasts. 
with you. Uh, I appreciate your restraint. I, of course. So I did want to. I did want to talk, and this happened last week. But like, no one, no one likes the Wizards more than you, man. Uh, I gotta ask. I, you give me a sigh, but it was. A, it's an important conversation. We are you had. talking about the John Wall conversation? It's twofold. I want to know about John Wall, and I also want to know who ideally you'd like to bring in, given all the injuries to the one position on their team right now. Who do you want to be the guy who they sign for a ten day or a you know a rest of your contract at point guard? So, John Wall. Gets upset that the Wizards are winning without him. Is that paraphrasing that correctly? Uh, he, <laughs> I think, suspected that he thought that the team was that players on the team were were making that suggestion. I guess is the best way of saying it. <laughs> like, okay, nobody was saying it outright, but I think it what caught his ire was Martin Gortat tweeting great quote team victory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he felt like that was disrespectful to him. And he also, because they won uh, five in a row, it was a media conversation. That's right. Where, you know, huh, that's kind of interesting. Then he sat down and told Gortat in an interview, he said, if Martin Gortat doesn't like the whatever, again, paraphrasing, but if he doesn't like all those assists on a silver platter, fuck off. I mean, the whole... I asked you when it happened, and you said you thought this was a little bit more significant than in the past, that this pettiness was... Just a little bit deeper. Well, when you say significant, I think it's important to think of what it shows. I mean, to yeah, me, the, the lesson me here really is is that clearly it's – sometimes when you lash out about something to, to deny it, it shows that you feel like there's at least a kernel of some truth going on. And so the fact that it was even acknowledged displays that maybe there's there's something going on there that was frustrating. I don't know if it's necessarily like a malicious – John Wall is like sabotaging the team type of thing, though. I think the, rea- the reality is is that he was not playing healthy this year, and even though he was trying to tough it out, he was kind of a squeaky wheel on the court. You know, it was clearly right. affecting him, and he was affecting him in ways that sort of damper the team. And I, I don't think he plays well through when he's not. I don't think he's playing well when he wasn't 100. percent Like he wasn't moving. There was that stat yeah. that. Zach Lowe uncovered where he was standing more than almost any player in the league. So there's, for, so there's some truth to the team, in quotes again, being better without injured John Wall. I, th- I think that, yeah, I think what happened was uh, he was a bit of a squeaky wheel while he was hurting the most. Mm-hmm. You know, nobody would ever say that John Wall, with the way he plays, is a wor- is, the team is better off without him. But I do think that he wasn't himself and he was sort of. Not necessarily like wreck. I don't want to say like he was playing through the the pain in I think an admirable way. But it when you have a guy who's sort of when you're moving, everyone else is trying to move at one speed, Mm -hmm. and you you have a guy that because of physical limitations is moving at another, and sort of not because he's the star of the team and he needs the ball in his hands, and you know he's trying to play his way. I I do think it makes you. Ineffective. I mean, you look at the way that they've played this year and the the way that they've just blown games in stupid ways and the lack of preparation and how often they seem like they're standing around or how often yeah. they seem like they're missing rotations and, and all that. I mean, that replacing that with just someone that in Sadoransky that for all you can say about him will move and try to do things and try to play in the scope of the team and make cuts or whatever. It does have a way, I think, as a short-term boost. Ooh, man, Sadoransky fell so hard on his face. Yeah. God. That yeah. was terrible. He was do playing you, great, too. Sorry. Do you think um, it was a dirty play by Bobby Portis, or do you think it was just sort of <sighs> kind of coincidental and accidental? I, I don't think he meant to be malicious. I just think it was a body control, awkward. You know, the, the way that Senaraski went up, 
it was at the up part of the flight of a jump, in which case you have very little control on how your body's right. going to land. I, I don't think that Portis it, – it didn't look like it meant to be malicious. I just think it was uh, a confluence of awkwardness. Well, given, I think, the score of the game perhaps and the, yeah. um, the way it was going up and the timing, perhaps it was a little bit clumsy. I agree he didn't intend to hurt him, though. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I don't think Portis meant to hurt him. But I, I will say, anytime someone leaves the floor and you do a grab, a motion of grabbing – you're gonna throw off, especially if they grab up high and someone's leaving the floor. Like you're gonna, they're gonna land awkwardly. Yeah, um, yeah. So anyhow, but 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 with Wall, I just I think um, it's what's weird to me is sort of how there's clearly something going on because like the the idea of you're playing hurt and you're doing you're you're gaming it out for us, but it's just not we're we're sort of dying off your lack of energy, not because you're. Because you're injured, like that should not be something that would piss someone off. I mean, you should acknowledge that everyone should, but clearly he, there's some sort of divide in there where he feels like that is something that is not accepted, right? In some way, I, I don't know. Uh, I do think that, like that, uh, it also the the team sort of now makes a little more sense if if he's not sort of pounding the ball and right. standing around. Like Sadaransky moves really well. Beal is kind of able to be. The one dude that does the pounding, I think they have gotten Porter and Gortat more involved without. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But all these things are fixable if he comes back. What it was odd is that he, like the, we had this whole fight and discussion. Like to me, it, if you yeah. really watch the that closely, I don't think it's like a huge surprise. Like he was dragging, yeah, all year. He definitely like, deserved didn't deserve to surgery. Make, yeah, he didn't deserve to make the All Star team. He's dragging. Yeah, well, and, the All Star team. Who even? Who even knows who deserves to make the All-Star team? But we're going to keep the rant I had in the beginning of this podcast in the podcast so we don't have to do this again Um, because the All-Star team at this point is just like an exercise in people. Well, you got to be on a good team. Oh, just kidding. you got to have good individual stats. Oh, just kidding. you got to be a transcendent defensive player. Oh, just kidding. It doesn't make a difference. Ben Simmons will make plenty of All-Star teams. We We don't have to get into that right now. But maybe four more guys will get hurt and we can have Nick Batum in the All-Star game and um, who else has been horrible this year? Uh, I don't know. Any, anybody else you think deserves to make it over Ben Simmons? Uh, we could. You know, this is going to ruin his career. <laughs> Just not being his rookie season, not making the yeah. All-Star game. He's, he has been his phenomenal career is since. Do, his career is doomed now. He's been phenomenal all year and I do love, I think that the the way this is going down the stretch and this is, again, we'll, we'll change topics again. Um, and we don't have a whole lot planned here, so we are freestyling this a bit. But I love the Ma- the, the Mitchell uh, Simmons Rookie of the Year. Yeah, it's going to no, be one of the really best fun. contests in a long time. Utah, by the way, the quietest ten game winning streak ever. Yeah, it's, I think if they had started from a higher level and were like, now they're in the four seed or something. Which, by the way, they're not far off because the West, like the East, is is tight. Um, I yeah. want to say that. Let's see. The Jazz are twenty nine and twenty eight. They are two, five, games, two games out games, of six. They're five games back of fourth. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. So, yeah it, Mitchell's Mitchell's been amazing. I just think, I just think that, and I've watched Mitchell play probably six games now total this year. So not it? nearly as much as Ben Simmons. And I watched Let Mitchell me, play. If you go back and listen to this podcast when we had Ricky O'Donnell on, of which I've already talked yeah. about multiple times, we both called him out as potential sleeper of last year's draft, and we did that in the middle of last season um, from a college basketball standpoint. That's how. So everyone should be reading Ricky O'Donnell's yeah. college stuff. I'm but, just checking how many jazz games I've watched this year, the, so I can. Yeah, nineteen. Okay, okay. so you've 19. watched more than I have, but I will say, like, you're never going to see Ben Simmons. He might not take 29 shots in a week like Mitchell took last night. I do think there's some 
some light hypocrisy to a Wiggins box score versus a Mitchell box score and how one is, oh, my God, make no, him the rookie so, of the year, and yeah. the other is all he does is score points. Uh, then not you not should, this year, then last you should, year. Then you should watch the Jazz more often. Two years. <laughs> I think Mitchell's a, an They're, awesome player. I've watched enough to know that he's both a defensive and offensive player. He's also a spark plug for them from a pa- passing personality skill, standpoint. shooting in all three levels, well, I mean, A mature leadership level that you don't usually get from rookies. Granted, right. he wasn't a one-year college player, but yeah, no, there's he's no, phenomenal. There's no comparison. I mean, Wiggins was obviously younger too when he first started. Younger, so. but I think the idea that like a lot of a lot of times you'll see a, Mitchell has plenty of box scores. I mean, his stats prove it out. He's under five and five for assistant boards as a big powerful guard. That's not all the times what you see. You, I you, think you're you being. A, I, no, you I like think, now. I think people being, like points. points now are, I think. I mean, right? yes, you're right. He does fit the profile of what we get from rookies I'm, of the year. But I, I mean, I think now you're just being rookie of the year. Is usually, are rookies that score the most points. Generally, That's, yes. Okay. But MB, MVP candidates and first team All NBA players. Another again thing that's voted on by the same people. Defense and team's record are incredibly important. Okay. You, so, many a times you and I have had arguments so about So fine. The, the Sixers are, what, like two games ahead of the Jazz? It's, it's, the Sixers are better than the Jazz are record-wise, and Simmons has been at an elite level. And I'm not saying I think that, Mal- that, that, that um, Donovan Mitchell isn't someone who should be considered. I think he's right there. I think it's super close. I think Ben Simmons has been better for the totality of the year. Uh, that's a tough one. I, I don't know. I, I've been thinking about this one a lot because Simmons also – there's a first of all, Mitchell is the one alpha. He's the best player on his team. Like he is, yeah. and not only that, he's also the guy that they, they didn't plan it this way. No, I know. He sort of seized it. And does that get you more votes if it's something that's unexpected? Like, do we do we well I downgrade think, Ben Simmons because we expected him to be? Good? No, no, no. I, I don't mean it in in like a surprise sense. What I mean mm-hmm. is that if you're looking to qualitatively kind of go with these players, you know, the fact that. It wasn't set up for Mitchell to have this sort of big role as a credit to Mitchell. It doesn't yeah, necessarily yeah, mean yeah. it's like a discredit to Simmons. It's just a, it's another totally credit to his game. And the other, on the flip side, Utah sort of has a um, a bit of a better, more robust support system in terms of system. But you know, Mitchell doesn't have I mean, Simmons. His shooting is a major problem, and I think it will. I know I, I, now. Simmons is otherworldly passer, and defensively, he's incredible. And you know, the team is better. But Simmons also. I mean, what the Sixers are awesome when Joel Embiid's in the game, and they're much less awesome when he's not. So really, I'm not sure. I mean, Simmons. I'm not sure that the impact is there on a singular level in terms of circumstance. Whereas with Mitchell. When he's not in the game, the Jazz. I mean, I guess they've been better recently, but you know, I think they really. A, a if you look at value of the team, and it's not about. Yeah, but the Jazz had in, first off Gobert's injury. Secondly, um, the entirety of the team changing over from Hayward's team to a vacant spot, which he's done a tremendous job of occupying. Yeah, shouldn't that be a credit to him? It not is a, a detriment. No, like in terms is, of this argument, though, I don't, I don't have really... any detriments. I'm going to say right now on this table, right in front of okay, us. Okay, fine. No detriments. There are but, no detriments right now for the Donovan Mitchell conversation. But isn't that isn't this a reason to f- favor him more, not okay, less? So the means with which these guys succeed shouldn't be the topic of discussion. One takes an incredible high volume of shots, a lot of which are horrible shots, and a lot of games shoots 28%, 30% from yeah, the no, field. He has, he, he, I, he's I, a bit I, of a gunner, but I, that's he's, also... But he's as a gunner, a, straight, but as a straight rookie, up. That, that's like sort of... A va- there's value in being a gunner. Uh, that's fine. He's shooting get these shots 44% off. from the field, 35% from three, and 83% from the free throw line. Those are 
fine numbers for volume scores. This is, that's a, that's a mm-hmm. volume score percentage line. Ben Simmons does not take outside shots. You're 100% right about that. But when you look at his, his splits, though, he's, he's someone who's shooting like what DeAndre Jordan would shoot. And he's not taking dunks on every play. No, sure, he dunks a lot, but we're talking about someone who's shooting 53% from the field. Uh, not, has not taken a three, so you don't have to worry about that. But then uh, above that... Simmons is one of the best passers in the league. You mentioned his defensive oh, yeah. versatility. I think defensive versatility, it's the only reason that we think of Rudy Gobert as an elite player in this league is because he's an incredible defensive player. I mean, screener, but yeah. Sure, screener, but de- defense is where he's made his money. That's why he was an all-NBA performer at one no, point I in mean, his career, even though he's not able to make a shot or take his own shot either. No, I mean, so I'm, I'm just, I think... I li- and the thing is, I like watching Mitchell is so much fun. Watching Simmons, so much fun. Totally different types of players. But the, the thing that keeps jumping out to me, I think, in this conversation is that one is something we did not anticipate because of where he was drafted, the situation he went into, and the other was a consensus number one draft pick that we waited a year to get to see be this good and that he's meeting our, our my opinion, my, my lofty expectations. He's exceeding the mine. Media's, he's probably exceeded, right? He's exceeding mine. I mean, it's for now. I think, um, yeah, I mean, you're basically saying that Mitchell has the novelty I think Mitchell just has the that new that new shine, if you will, which right, is we no- did not expect it. The novelty, the unexpected. I would say in a guard heavy draft with all the great guards who went in the top ten or supposedly and for the thirteenth right. pick to be the one is is special. And and again, I don't this is not meant to be a hating session like at all, as you could tell by my tone here, but like I love watching Mitchell play. That's why I've watched six fucking jazz games I mean, this year. It's not because they're easy to get a hold of. You know, I do have league pass. pass. I do have league pass. Figure that out. Well, the Sixers are playing usually. I would say, um, in terms of who's going to have the better career, I think it's pretty clear it's going to be Simmons. I think as of now, though, there are, especially Simmons. You you rattled off Simmons' shooting percentages. I do think though that there are plenty of possessions where his lack of a threat hurts other people. Sure, sure. And I think, and you have to also, even though I don't think this is a problem in terms of his game or long-term, and this happens to all rookies, you do have to sort of toss some of Philly's turnover-proneness his way. Oh, yeah, yeah. look, if you watch the like, Sixers... If you're Sixers. just comparing the two, like, he, <laughs> yeah. you know... He makes a ton of mistakes when... I mean, it's... I don't even want to blame Simmons entirely for that. I think he goes for a lot. I think the tempo they play with, right, the amount of possession exactly. is all part I of mean, that. It's not a bad thing for his game. I actually have no idea who I'd take for rookie of the year right now. Yeah, One thing the, I will say that I haven't it's really, a fun debate. I haven't seen discuss this all that much, but I've been like watching it more closely ever since our Tim Kato wrote the story about Dennis Smith Jr. Landing. I'm like kind of. I've been watching the way Mitchell lands. I'm a little. I, I ran it by Tim, and he didn't see as many problems as I did, but. It does feel like he like his his legs go all over the place in the air. Yeah, I, and I, it would just suck if he had bad mechanics and therefore lost the explosion in his game that is, makes him so fun. I, 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 I just really hope that doesn't yeah. happen. So I'm watching the landing real carefully <laughs> Mike, in hopes that nothing happens to Mike's him. Mike's in full-on Winter Olympics mode. It's all about the landing. Um, <laughs> I will say that I think that Mitchell might be just cut from that Westbrook cloth where like he's just going to be the best athlete. One of the best athletes at his position for a, for a while, regardless of how he lands. Um, but I mean, if he loses what twenty percent of his explosion, like he's not the same player. Yeah, that'd be bad for sure. Right. Yeah, his he's explosiveness not, is a big he, part of or it. Or put it this way, he'd be way less fun. Definitely, because definitely. what he has, like, I was, he has this dysfunctional sort of athleticism mm-hmm. where he has the strength to rise up straight up, and mm-hmm. he's got all this finishing skill and the steps he takes, and yep. yeah. So I mean, like, I think it's funny because you look at. 
part of this equation we're not talking about is what, and you sort of hinted at this, but what each of their respective teams needs from them to be successful is something where they both get credit. They're both doing what their team needs. Because, look, let's be real. The Sixers were a team who had 500 aspirations. Maybe be the playoff team that the people well, want they to they both kind of had 500-ish aspirations. No, no, I'm, I'm, sorry, I'm starting with the Sixers. When, I, when you go to the Utah, they didn't have aspirations of Malcolm Mitchell being a Rookie of the Year candidate. Donovan Mitchell, I'm yeah. sorry, Donovan Mitchell. Jesus, man. Malcolm Mitchell being a wide receiver for the Patriots? I, I have no idea. I don't watch football. Yes, you do. You watch that Super Bowl, Mike? Nah, kind of. Honestly, I was. Malcolm do- Mitchell was. I, I think was, he went to Georgia. Yeah, Malcolm Mitchell, wide receiver. For honestly, that. I was dozing off during part of the Super Bowl. Football's oh my God. boring. Super Bowl wasn't boring. The, the, no, the sport is boring. The game oh, okay. within the, game the context was, of the sport was, was quite exciting. Boring, yeah. I just think the sport is boring. Okay, that's fair. But so anyhow, Donovan Mitchell, like last night, right? Uh, they beat the Spurs. I want to say it was mm-hmm. mo- uh, yeah. Monday night, right? Utah beats the Spurs. They needed all twenty-five of his points. Did they need him to go nine of twenty-eight from the field? Maybe that's just the best way that they play at this point. But I still look at that and I think to myself, he had you know five assists, seven rebounds. Those little things. When I see box scores that, that promote the other aspects of the game outside of high volume scoring, take twenty-eight shots. You better have twenty-five points. That's a terrible payoff. Um, but I look at Simmons' box scores and I think, well, last night he had a, another four steals, three blocks. Uh, he's had three or more steals in five of his last six games. The level of competition last night was not exactly hey, look, super high. Everyone gets to play the Knicks, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, God, they've quit so hard. Um, I do want to transition real quick. But So Simmons has these games where he's, getting, he's doing what his team needs. Against the Clippers the other night, he had 14, 10 assists, five rebounds, two steals and a block. When you're averaging almost, uh, I mean, he has that two steals and a block a game as a point guard I'm putting no he's up. incredibly impressive I, the, <sighs> the big yeah. question the, the the one part of the equation you don't you're not talking about though that I think is we're thinking more about is is actually what happens what do those box score stats mm-hmm. convey what are happening on the possessions where sure. Simmons can't is not a shooter and does that what does that do sure. the lack of a threat how does that make it worse for other players totally. when he doesn't have the ball and what other whereas, players do you need to have around him for him to be successful as well right yeah, yeah I mean it's all connected but then yeah. compared to Mitchell where you have to worry about him making all sorts of shots so therefore you play him in a different way and that opens up maybe not directly but more opportunities for other I mean Joe Ingles is shooting and playing the lights out Joe Ingles is a great Joe Ingles is a good player good player I mean how much of his success is due to the attention no I agree yeah. I, I mean I mean, oh, he's a good okay. player. I'm yeah. just saying he is playing a lot better in these last ten games than he ever but has. I watched. I watched the fourth quarter of the Utah. San I didn't game watch the San Antonio. I watched a lot of their In- other games. Obviously, Ingles' successes. I think. I think uh, it's nice that he has Mitchell, but Ingles is one of the best things about him is that he's the decision maker. Mm-hmm. He's fucking amazing at the high no, pick he's, and roll. He's, he's, and, a, he's always been super underrated. Yeah. I've, I've liked him since uh, yeah. first got in the league. But yeah. I'm just saying, like the, the the ability, the fact that Mitchell presents that threat sure. on every moment is something that has some sort of intangible effect. Definitely. And it's going to be a people. great race. And I'm happy that there is a great race to be I, had. I will say, I don't want these... You guys, your fan bases are both sort of nuts about this. Both you and the Sixers and Utah fans with like sort of support. Definitely Utah fans in I this mean, respect. I mean, definitely Utah fans. Like, Sixers are more worried about winning the first round playoff matchup now. I want the four seed. And it's 100%. I think, I think you're um, not to. I mean, yes, I'm sure. No, you're basically pulling the we have b- bigger things to worry about card. Like, I'm sorry, nah. I'm not buying that. I mean, they're a game and a half behind. No, I, I don't mean in terms. I don't mean in terms of where they are in the standings. Uh-oh. I mean in terms of like what would excite them. Like you, you would, you would be upset if Ben. You were, look how upset you are. He's not in the All Star game. 
Yeah, well, that's just mostly because— You'd be upset if you didn't win Worker of the Year. Well, you let, guys let would me, be really upset. Who, who's more deserving of an All-Star spot right now? Goran Dragic, Kemba Walker, or Donovan Mitchell? Donovan Mitchell. Yeah, exactly. All I see what you're they saying. They put two dudes in who just don't deserve to be All-Stars in the face well, of two of the most electrifying young players the league has seen in years. Uh, you know what? That's it, important. Here, let me amend this. I think Kemba Walker and Donovan Mitchell is a tough decision. <laughs> okay. I think Goran Dragic does not—I love the dude, but he does not <laughs> deserve to be anywhere close to that game. Yeah, okay. That least, was like basically like, we got to take a Heat player, and <laughs> he's the best champ that we got. I'd like, have put Richardson in. I think he's been better this year. Um, Richardson, he's good. He's not, not an all-star. All-star. They they have, none of them are. I they know. don't have all-stars. Can Spolster, just, some, can Spolster just be an assistant coach in the game and call it what it is? Like, sometimes you just have a team of a bunch of really good of good players. I like, couldn't agree more. You don't need to—I don't understand this. Like, we got to—you're picking the best players in the league. Like, sometimes if you have the— if you have a fantasy team that like has the twenty fifth best player at every position, you're gonna be. Or I don't know. You know what I mean? Like sometimes you can just have a, a bunch of good players mm-hmm. and balance. Like you don't need to name all stars for that. Oh, I, just because your team is good. I, I hate. I hate that. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. Um, but this is gonna be a fascinating conversation for the rest of the year and and, and in general. Like, if you're someone listening to this podcast and you're not from the Philadelphia or Utah markets, like. Find some time to watch these two young guys oh, play. This They're class incredible. is so good. It's so good, yeah. There are yeah. so many interesting players in this class. We haven't talked about um, Marketing, Tatum in a while. Smith, Tatum. Dennis has been great this last couple weeks. I mean, uh, there are also like a lot of like under-the-radar rookies that are making an impact, like like Chetty Osman. Yeah. Is or, kinda, yeah, it's a good call. Or Hart uh, out in Los Angeles. Hart like, Kuzma, yeah. yeah I, I mean, mean it's, L.A. did a good job of the back end of I'm the— I'm impressed uh, by how yeah. well they defend these rookies. But, oh, the other rookie that you got to make some time to watch, by the way, is uh, Bam Adebayo. Yeah. That's, he is a lot of fun to watch. I feel like Bam had his like low-grade low coming-out party against the Sixers a few weeks ago when uh, when Whiteside started but had the flu left, and Bam came in and played fantastically. I think Bam is better than Whiteside. That's a oh. hot take of mine. That's a pretty hot take. Now they're like playing them a little bit together, which is kind of yeah. awkward because— I think they should trade Whiteside, yeah. but Sixers Heat. By the way, the last game before the uh, All Star game for those two teams should be a good one. Um, separated by half game. Yeah. The, it's also um, fun to say Bam. Definitely, def- very fun I mean, to say Bam. He, he passes the cool name. I mean, and he's a physical player who dunks real hard, so like it lends it's perfect. itself pretty well. Do you think his, if his name was like uh, Bobby Smith, we would be? You know my you know my theory. On his this, name right? was his name's Pip. Like just, just like a really, a really plain name. Like what uh, if his name was John Collins? Oh, I mean that's fine. I was looking more for like a really like. Soft-spoken, quiet, like his, his name's uh, you know, Pip McQuieter. I don't know. I couldn't what? think of a good name. I, I, I think we're gonna have to retire. I know. Pip McQuieter. I know. But yeah, <laughs> Miles <laughs> laughing is. I think he wants a more Australian accent. Pip Pip McQuieter. No, right. no, please um, stop. No, but the the cool name theory though. No, it works better when your name lends itself to your game. Yeah, John Collins. If John Collins' name was Bam Adebayo, people would be getting more excited about him. Yeah, or if he just didn't play in Atlanta. Well, that too, but that is my theory. Um, poor John Collins. If they switched names, we would feel very differently about them, right? Yeah, now. yeah, that, that may be. Um, last but not least, I did want to touch on the epic tank off that's about to happen. Oh yes, this is going to be um, exciting. You got thoughts on this, Mike? What, well, what were they? So let's write it down real quick. So just so everybody understands, this is the last year that they're using the current lottery weights, which give the number one pick. The worst team, a 25% chance. And then I forget what all the other ones are. But basically where there is a big difference between number one, number two, and so forth. Right now we have eight teams that have between 17 and 20 wins. 
Uh, you've got the Kings, Suns, Mavs, and Grizzlies. Uh, the Kings have 17. The, the Mavs, Suns, and Grizzlies all have 18. You have the Hawks with 18, Orlando with 18, the Nets with 19, and the Bulls just picked up their 20th in a costly victory over the Magic last night. You also have the Lakers at 23. They've been playing much better recently, mm-hmm. but who knows if that'll continue now that they've traded away some of their guys. And Maybe they got better. You have the Knicks at 23 who are now without Porzingis and very yeah. clearly in the tank. My friend Brett texted me last night. They have 29 games left. He's a Knicks fan. He said, do you, do you think they get to 30? I said, maybe 30 on the nose, but that depends on how the other tanking teams they play line up. So that would go 7-22 <laughs> and 22 down yeah. the stretch. Yeah, i give them five more wins this year. So maybe 28. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm yeah, getting. That's what I'm going After with. watching them last night, I had no idea how bad it's gotten. Like, basically, well, they're missing their trying, best player. <laughs> they're missing their best player, totally, but they're also trying to figure out if Frank and Moutier can play together. Yeah, that was a little bit of a strange trade. Not that I, 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 it was like a good trade in terms of value, but it doesn't make you, it does sort of raise a bunch of questions. Certainly. Um, but and also, I'll, Moutier play, play, got in the game earlier than Neil Keenan did. And I, did. they definitely, I'm thinking to them, like, oh, if they had someone to like run, pick, and roll with, they might be interesting as a yeah, combo, but they don't. Um, wing, maybe. So, so, yeah, those eight teams plus the Lakers and Knicks, plus, you know, who knows what Charlotte is also at 23 wins. Yeah. Uh, Which, by then, the way, they should. They should be better. Charlotte's mm-hmm. not a good team, and they're like the, they are the uh, um, the fulcrum point, or whatever that right term is, for the exact middle of the league. Like they're the middlest of middling bad teams. I don't think they should be better. You don't think with, Ke- with just with the players they have, with Kevin no. Batum and Batum's been really bad this year. Dwight Howard is Batum the ultimate. Like kind of, you get his numbers, but he doesn't help you win. Yeah, uh, they have their bench is awful. They have no backups. Uh, I mean, they're twenty three and thirty three. Yeah, they're yeah, about where I think right. they should be. Like, I don't think it's anyway. The yeah, point is, okay. is that we're looking at when you combine all that with this being the actual last, the tanking actually has value. And remember, the Nets don't have their picks, so uh, you know they're not involved. This neither do the Lakers. Yeah, yeah, neither do the Lakers. So I guess for them, it doesn't really matter what they do. But we could have as many as like seven. To ten teams, a I would third say, of the league could potentially be tanking at the end of the year. Yeah, well, or at least they uh, the incentives would suggest that they yeah, should be tanking. Yeah. And so even the play, like even on those teams, though, Mike, like the player personnel would suggest none of those teams are like we got to build for next year because that'll no. be our year. <laughs> I mean, one of those teams did neglect to trade their leading scorer for some second round picks and are about to lose him for nothing in free agency. So I don't know if that's a hundred percent true. I'm talking about Tyreek Evans and the Grizzlies. I got it. Uh, and so there's like a lot. There's a big advantage, I think, to if you really bottom out. And it's going to be – they're going to be like these games. I'm trying to think of how many times these guys play each other down the stretch. But, I mean, I didn't watch Chicago-Orlando last night, but I heard so many complaints about how awful that game was. Um, um, Chicago-Orlando is like the ultimate – like, no, you, you guys win. <laughs> no, you guys win. No, it's okay. You 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 can win this one. What if you were the? Because you know you have players that want to win. If you were the, if you were the general manager slash coach, like let's say you appointed yourself as a coach, and you were um, the GM, whatever of the. Uh, I'm trying to think of which team is like most interesting in this discussion. Um, of the tanking teams? Yeah. Oh, by the way, how does it feel to not be in this conversation? Your oh, favorite team? I, I was saying uh, the trade deadline came and went last Thursday, and I was not thinking about 
basketball. I was like, oh, the Sixers aren't going to trade their number one pick. They're not going to do the Tariq thing, and they didn't. And uh, to not be a part of the tanking conversation feels great. great. Okay, so yeah. you're the Dallas, you're the Dallas Mavericks coach. Culture is really important to you. You've got a lot of proud vets. You've got mm-hmm. Dirk, uh, but you also have a rookie, mm-hmm. and you also are sitting in a lot of cap room this summer potentially. Plus, you could get a really high pick. What is your move? To try to in this tank in this tank off, I would assume without pissing off too many people. Yeah, the status quo would probably be the move. They might be one of the teams that does not need to tank in order to continually. You don't think so? I mean, they have no. they have some interesting players. No, I, I, match- th- you could totally see them like at the end of the year playing hard and. And winning too many, like nixing it, if you will. We call that the Knicks. Um, <laughs> Knicks, Knicks played themselves out of it last year and anyhow dropped from five to eight, I believe, on the last day of the year. Um, I don't know. I guess the Mavs would probably be a good contender for that. I'm assuming Memphis will shut down everybody and everything. I mean, they already did with Connolly. Right. I'm assuming Gasol will be next. Yeah, I, I think that's a good call. I think they're one of those interesting teams. That well, probably, what would you do if you're, if you're them? Because you, there's you, reports. playing Smith. You, you keep letting him mature. Yeah. You you probably tone down the yogis of the world, guys who play really hard and therefore give you a better chance to win. Okay. Because they do have a lot of that scrap. That's a, that's a good point. Okay. Uh, There's I, talk that they're going to give Neurons and Will another chance they to They should play. totally do that. I think that makes sense. Yeah, the, uh, the same way that... I was going to say that the Nets should be playing Jaleel more, but they, there's no reason for them. That's well, they the are, and they're pick. losing, so... He's so bad. Did you see that highlight from last night, the... The 15 seconds of the local four just standing in the lane playing "quote unquote" defense and then no, but it, I mean, it's, wasn't there a highlight to that effect last year too? I feel bad for Ja. Um, Why? He's terrible, and he thinks he's good. It's like he's like shallow Hall of basketball, but like the inverse. <laughs> yeah, he looks in the mirror. <laughs> he, were, he looks in the mirror. He's like, I am Akeem Olajuwon. I am truly gifted. And then he gets wait, on the court. It, would it be the reverse or would it, no? You're saying it's the reverse because. He sees it that way, but nobody yeah, else does. Right. Whereas that's, in shallow hell, everybody else. Ah, right. uh, okay, that's right. Boom. Reverse shallow hell. <laughs> that might be a sign that we've got to wrap this yeah, up. Yeah, it's probably a good wrap. But <laughs> anyhow, we, we will be keeping a tight, a close eye on the uh, the NBA's tanking situation because much like how the Eastern Conference playoffs are super tight, um, how our beloved EPL teams are in an incredibly tight bra- a tight league right now on their table, um, the NBA has these segments of incredibly tight. Uh, pockets in, in the schedule. And, and when you look at basically Utah uh, through the Timberwolves, that's the 10th seed through the 4th seed. Well, they're separated by a total of five games. When you look at the Eastern Conference, you're going to see that the Wizards are currently in that four spot with a home playoff game. In the loss column, they are one up on the 7 seed um, and only five up on, again, the 9 seed. So these windows are tight. The back end of the league is tight. The tanking will be epic. And I'm not I'm not sad to say that uh, the Sixers are not going to be part of it, and um, it's a weird feeling. What are the chances you think that they? I mean, I guess they have a three-game lead now on um, Detroit. Five thirty-eight seems to think that the Sixers have one of the easiest remaining schedules yes, left they in do. the league. They do. I would say that they'll probably end up as the seventh seed in the East. Where, where they? That's where they are. You right think now. where yeah, they are right yeah, now? Yeah, um, that, yeah right. that sounds about right. Detroit has been on. They start off like gangbusters, but recently have been a bit of a bummer. Yeah. I, I am not. One thing, I guess we didn't get a chance to talk about that Blake Griffin trade. I am not particularly high on Detroit's short and long-term future. Agreed. I've never particularly been an Andre Drummond fan. There you go. And um, I think Blake and Drummond is – I mean, they do some cool shit on the court together sometimes. But yeah. I don't, in general, I don't think it works. Well, they've played probably, I don't know, what, five, six games together now. They're 5-5 five and five in their last 10. They've lost three games in a row. 
I, they got I, destroyed by uh, Pelicans. You don't have cousins, obviously. Who are bad, by the way. Sixers beat the brakes off the Pelicans. Well, the, the Pelicans night. beat the brakes off the Pistons, so maybe yeah. I don't know what that says about yeah, the Sixers are 4 0 against the Pistons. Maybe that math, some NBA math that works out quite well. Um, who knows? I will say this uh, last comment is I, I was watching the Pacers game last on Friday night against the Celtics, and uh, oh, I can't say enough about Old Depot. It, it kills me that I was so wrong about him. As someone who projects talent and has done a pretty solid job, with, I, I think, over the last five, six years of doing that, uh, especially on this podcast, I was so wrong about Oladipo, and he was just amazing against the Celtics the other night. He does yeah. it, by the way, in a very Malcolm, like in Malcolm, haha, Donovan. Donovan they Mitchell, are very similar They're similar, players. Yeah, yeah, like the athletic, soup, like there are plays where you're like, no, oh, he couldn't possibly go from there to there in two steps, and then boom, there's the They're, they're very play. similar players, actually. Yeah, that's a good comparison. And I, I would take either of them on my team. Um, so with that in mind, we'll wrap it up. But, Mike, it's great to have you back, man. Congrats again uh, to you and the family. Super pumped to have you back here in the studio and, and back with the SB Nation Hoops family. You never left, but at least you're here in person I'm now. I'm here, man. That's right. Um, enjoy All-Star Weekend. Yeah, everyone enjoy All-Star Weekend. I'm sure we'll come back. Next Tuesday with some thoughts on the weekend itself. Um, who do you like to win the dunk contest? Do you like you like Donovan? See, I like Donovan before he was selected. Yeah. So it's what? Donovan, Oladipo, Larry Nance, and who's the fourth guy again? Oh, Gordon. No, Gor- Gordon Gordon pulled out. Who's the fourth guy? I don't know. I like Nance to win it. That was my... Oh, no. Who's the fourth guy? Uh, Uh-oh. Uh-oh. How am I forgetting this? <laughs> You're going to say the name, and I'll be like, oh, yeah, of course. All right, hold on. I'll pull it up. This is how we close every podcast yeah. with uh, dead silence. And uh, all right, I got that. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna be upset. So, who have you guessed already? There's, uh, I said Mitchell, yeah. Larry Nance, uh, Oladipo, and yeah. who's the fourth? Dennis Smith Jr. Oh, Dennis, Dennis Smith, Smith Jr. can totally win it. He is unbelievable at dunking. And little guys who dunk like he do, he does. I'm sorry, look incredible. Yeah, they look so good. Yeah, hmm. this is a it's tough a, one. This is a tough one to call. It's a. You know what they have here. We have four of the best in-game dunkers in the league right now. You don't always get that in these dunk contests. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, I mean, candidly, it's too bad. It's too bad Gordon had the injury. Yeah, and like Levine, they should. Th- Le- Levine's still killing guys right now, and he's only jumping yeah. at eighty percent of what he used to at this yeah. moment. He'll be there in, shortly. I'm going with Donovan Mitchell. All right. You're going to go Donovan Mitchell. I'm going to tell you that I think Larry Nance Jr. will dark horse this. I think he's going to do some wild shit. I think he could put another piece of tape down two feet behind the free throw line and, and dunk it quite easily. He should definitely bring his dad out. Definitely. Absolutely. Well, right. he'll be doing everything with a Statue of Liberty kiss, which is a say, beautiful you, dunking form. Do you think he should do the um, the double ball dunk just like his dad did and basically just Ooh. try to recreate it? That'd be cool. Maybe yeah. wearing his dad's jersey or something. Yeah, yeah. That'd be cool. There's good options here. Bottom line, good dunk contest. You actually have a legitimate all-star in it in Oladipo. You almost never get that. And then you have two of the most exciting rookies. So, yeah, looking forward to it. Mm -hmm. All right, guys. Until next time, everybody. Uh, This is the Limited Upside Podcast.